guys, it's Princess coming straight to you from my husband's man cave, which I hate even fucking saying. I think it's a dumb phrase. I don't like man cave and I don't like she shed. I think they're both stupid. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we have to name rooms after your gender. <laughs> I know you're like, damn, Princess, just come right on in. Yeah, I, I'm here. Anyway, I'm in my husband's, I guess, I don't know. Okay, let's start at the beginning. My husband has bad taste in everything, except for women. Here's an example right here, me. <laughs> but um, so he's always resented the fact that I won't let him uh, paint everything Pittsburgh Steelers colors. Like, like that was even a legit, that was even like something that might even fucking happen. That you were going to paint a living room black and yellow. And that I was going to be like, oh, that sounds cool. That sounds fine. And things like that. And so he's always wanted his own space. Even though I told him a man in his 40s with five kids doesn't get his own space. But when we started looking for a house, um, my uh, my husband was like, he really wanted to find a place for his own things. A place for him to game with the doors closed. A place for him to... I'm sitting in a black and yellow room, guys. I'm sitting in a black and yellow. It's painted all black and it has yellow specks on the wall. He wanted a place to be able to do that. So when we bought our house, um, he, we got a four-bedroom house. And I took one room for my office. And my husband took... Um, what he did with the garage is because we don't actually park our cars in the garage. We have a driveway and plenty of parking around here. Um, and don't really care about our cars. So what he did was he put a wall up in half of the garage and made like a little space for him. He, it's where he can put up his projector. We have a, we've always had a very huge projector so that he can watch movies and stuff like that. And his shelves and what else has he got in here? Uh, cheese, a half eaten jar of cheese balls. Uh, his fight stick, which is a which is some of his video game stuff. My video game stuff is in the living room because I know how to be fucking discreet, and he doesn't. <laughs> just stuff like that. Uh, I mean, it's real tacky in here, guys. I'm just keeping it real. It's real tacky in here. But my today, um, oh, and I don't have an office anymore because we have foster kids. And so my the way my office is situated, it's now like a part of like the living space. So, um, today I wanted to record a little early. So, cause I'm like exhausted, fucking exhausted. And I can't really do that where my desk is because my kids are up and I don't want to be a part of this fucking podcast. So, um, all that to say, I'm in my husband's office. I'm extremely uncomfortable in here. Um, he's been smoking cigarettes in here. <sighs> can't control people's actions. <laughs> he's been smoking. Um... He's got a pair of dirty socks on the floor. Like when I first told him I was going to come in here and record, he was like, ooh, give me a second. It's dirty in there. So I'm to believe he came in here and cleaned. He did not come in here and clean. Or maybe he did. Maybe it was worse than this. I don't know. But all that to say, there's a toenail clipper in here. We've been looking for the toenail clippers. I bought a new set. Why are they on a string? What the fuck is he doing? I... All of that to say, <laughs> all of that to say, I go above and beyond for this fucking podcast. Um, this is another bonus episode because I haven't quite started uh, by Pumpkin Season 3. 
based on the votes on my Instagram page, which is by Pumpkin Podcast. Um, it looks like we're going into, uh, Jesus Christ, I just forgot the name of the damn show. What is the name of the show? What is the name of this show? Growing up Gotti. <laughs> I should cut that out. I'm not going to. I'm just not. Um, yeah, so it looks like that's going to be season three of Buy Pumpkin. And I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about Victoria Gotti's um, filthy white outfits. I'm excited to talk about these, about the hair jail and about the mob connections. I'm excited about all of that. But I also, starting in May, I, I think I'm going to start a, a limited series where I kind of explore John and Kate plus eight throughout the years, where I pick out episodes and I have guests and I do that. So there's a lot of cool things coming, um, especially for our Patreon subscribers. Normally, I wouldn't give the spiel because on a bonus episode, I'm usually only talking to Patreon subscribers, but this is a special one that's going to be on the main feed. So if you like getting episodes like this where it's just not the norm, it's a little bit different, it's it's extra stuff you don't get through the season of Buy Pumpkin, pay your buck a month. It's a dollar. And what you get with that dollar is you get at least one bonus episode a month. Lately, it's been more than that. I don't know how long that's going to last, but there's been, there's been quite a few more than one bonus episode a month. And also... You get to know that you're helping keeping this fucking podcast going. By paying your dollar a month, you meet, it means that I get to... There's expenses associated with hosting a podcast, having a podcast, equipment. Um, also, I'm a busy bitch. Like, I do a lot of shit. And because I make some money off of this podcast, it means that I can, I can carve out time for it and justify it because there's money coming in. Um, so, yeah... Support me. Give me a dollar a month, guys. It's on Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Okay? Sign up. You can sign. You can. If it's not working out for you, you can always unsign up. Okay? That's it. And if you can't afford it or you don't want to or you're like, girl, we out here with this Rona and shit. I can't be, I can't be agreeing to, for a monthly bill, even if it's only a dollar a month. I get it. If that's the case, can you just leave me a review, a five-star review on Buy Pumpkin? Just say, you know what? That princess is amazing. <laughs> you need this podcast subscribe. No, reviews help other um, other listeners find me. That's it. And by leaving a review, I've got quite a few, but I know, but based on my download numbers, I know quite a few of you could also be giving me <laughs> a review. Leave me a fucking review. There, that's the segment where I beg for shit. <laughs> um, so let's get down to the episode. Today I want to do something I do every now and again. It's called a Princess Fix My Life episode. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, I have stolen the name from Ayama's amazing TV show, Ayama Fix My Life. I have... <laughs> when I used to... Um, be on a different network and I would send in a bonus episode a bonus episode called Princess Fix My Life. They would change the name to Princess Fixes My Life because they did not know <laughs> they did not know the reference. It's not it's not a description of what's happening 
it's someone calling out, princess, fix my life. <laughs> um, but basically what I do is I take um, questions that people have asked around the internet, like uh, for advice, and I give them my brand of advice. And it's fun because the people don't even know I'm giving them advice. It's just for me and you. And I, I have no obligations and I'm not worried about actually ruining their lives. And I can say what I really mean instead of saying what I should be saying. Um, but that said, sometimes I do get advice in my DMs. I get questions for advice in my DMs. And I'm always like, girl, I am unfucking qualified Like... Y'all only get a picture. Y'all only get a small snippet of my life. You don't know all the ways I failed. <laughs> you don't know all the ways I'm fucking shit up. You have no idea. But every now and then someone does ask. And um, actually a while ago someone asked me for some advice. And I told them that um, it'd be a while before I could get to it. Because I didn't know when I was going to do a another one of these types of bonus episodes. But let me go ahead and read it. I'm not going to read their name. They asked me not to read their name. Um, it says... My abusive ex just Facebook messaged a college friend looking for me. Yesterday was two years to the day I left him and went no contact. I drove to a Western straight after work and never saw him again. My family drove down to Houston to throw him out. He flipped out, even posted a GoFundMe page calling me an abuser and looking for five grand to start his life over. He stopped when he showed up at my um, parents' house and I filed a police report. Anyway, I know he has a girlfriend that he gushes over in his second GoFundMe campaign he posted. Oh, he really loves GoFundMe, don't he? And I really want to warn her about him, but I also don't want to give him another reason to come at me. She she just says, I feel guilty for not telling her. Like, if something happens to her, I could have prevented it. But I feel the, re the reality is that it will make things worse. I also wanted to laugh about the fact this idiot made two GoFundMes about me to forget about the fear I'm feeling right now. LOL. Dude. So, one, congrats for leaving an abusive ex. That's really hard. I know that a lot of times when we're looking from the outside in, it's really easy to just be like, well, why didn't she just go? Especially if it's like one of those situations where you don't actually have kids or you're not married. And it seems like it's very easy to cut ties with somebody, you know? But what we don't... What when we say stuff like that, what we don't remember is that there are emotional and psychological ties keeping us there. It is very easy to say, just leave today. Um, it's another thing to do it. I was in an abusive relationship. I know that like when people meet me or have been hanging around me and I and they don't know about that, they they don't they would never guess that about me. I don't seem like someone that could be in an abusive relationship, but I was. I was. It was terrible and I, it took me a really long time to go, a really long time to go. And I mean, thing after thing after thing after thing happened. And at any, at each interval, I could have been like, oh, I sh this, this is a good time to leave. <laughs> but I didn't. And it took me a long time. When I finally did, he threatened to kill me. He said if he ever saw me again, he would murder me. And, and then, shit, how many years was it? I was like... It was maybe 21, 22 when this happened. He got back in touch with me. It was like 15, 16 years later. He got back in touch with me and apologized. And we did a, 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 
some catching up. I should tell this story another time. But um, it's then his wife kind of started contacting me. Then a, a bunch of crazy stuff happened. I was like, oh, this is exactly the same dude. I'll tell this story a different time. But um, I guess what I'd say is this. One, I hope your college friend didn't give out your information. Continue not... I, w- I would continue to not... Um, to have no contact with him. I know you think that, like, contacting his new girlfriend and, and telling her about um, him might be helpful. But the truth is, it probably won't be. People don't like to hear from other people's ex, from their their current ex. And they don't want to take advice from them either. The only way it's going to be, the way it's going to be, put out there is that you're jealous or you want him back and you're saying bad things about him and she knows her man and even if he's abusing her as well she's still gonna react that way that's that's the the best case scenario is if she writes back and goes I already broke up with him because he's a jerk and he's abusive and I just don't need that in my life that's the best case scenario what will likely happen is you turn into the crazy ex-girlfriend and not the cute show everybody's singing okay the urban legend that men tell men and new women tell about their ex-girlfriends and I'm not saying nobody's girlfriend ex-girlfriend isn't crazy but I am saying that I make it a rule in life to not believe men do not do not I don't judge other women based on what men tell me about them especially men that have fucked them before because that's a tactic that that men often use when they get into new relationships to kind of cover up their past bad behavior. She's crazy. She still wants me. She did all these terrible things. And what we often find out later is like that woman was telling the truth. <laughs> and even if she was crazy, she was telling the truth. But that's just not how things go. And I, I don't think you should do... So the odds of her listening to you are super like low, incredibly low. But the odds of him finding out and using that to like, using that to change his attention to you, very high. And I care about you. I'm not saying I don't care about this other girl, but I I don't care about this other girl. I care about you. And I think you should care more about you too. I think no contact's still the way to go. I think that, now if she contacts you, that's a different story. But even then, I would keep it short and sweet and say, you know, he was abusive um, physically, emotionally, however it was. And I'm really happy he's not in my life. And I think you and I suggest that you do the same and then and leave it at that. So don't reach out. And if she reached out to you, keep it short and sweet. OK, thank you for asking me for advice. Make sure you talk to your therapist about why you're asking people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about about advice. Now, let's move on. So, if you guys know, remember, I had Liz on um, the final episode of Breaking Bonaduce Season 1. And she was saying that she loves Princess Fix My Life, but she really wanted me to uh, use a different source for the questions because quite a few of them on um, Six Brown Chicks are really, like, ridiculous. And they are. She is right about that. And also, I have to do whatever Liz tells me to do. She's got, girl, she she's blackmailing me. You, the pictures Liz has of me, oh my god. <laughs> no, but seriously, I've been thinking about it already about trying to like answer different sorts of questions. So this time, I went 
to Reddit advice subreddit. I don't like Reddit, guys. I Reddit scares me. It's just, you know what it is? Reddit's the internet. <laughs> it's just whatever you want to do. <laughs> and, and there are some really awesome places on Reddit, but there are also some really disgusting and scary places on Reddit. And a long time ago, you'll never be able to find this because I used to write under a pen name. A long time ago, I wrote about something, because I, I can't tell you what it is, but <laughs> something that I found to be disgusting and anti-feminist. And I wrote like a really a short little thing about it. And the people at Jezebel found it on the internet, because you know, they scrape the internet a lot of times and then write an article about something someone else wrote. And they did. And then um, the men's rights guys on Reddit found it. And like, I spent almost a year fielding death threats and people trying to dox me. And, like, it was it was a lot. And I was, and at that point, I was like, I am done with Reddit. Because Reddit likes, allows these concentrations of people. And sometimes they're awesome concentrations of people that want to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race or they want to talk about Team Mom and stuff. But they're also concentrations of people that are, like, should never be allowed to grow in numbers. <laughs> but I went to Reddit. Um, I got over my Reddit phobia. And I found some great questions on the advice subreddit. And I'm going to try to answer some of them. And maybe you see yourself in some of these. Maybe... You know, maybe you're like, oh, that applies to me. And this is actually good advice. Maybe you're listening. You're like, that is terrible advice, princess. Please don't tell anybody else to do that too. Um, I'd love it if you came to Instagram on, it's okay, pumpkin. Okay, pumpkin. It's by pumpkin podcast. And um, like, let me know what other advice you would give. Let me know if I got it right or if I didn't. And if you want to ask questions, do so at your own peril. So the first one, I'm an introvert and it's been that way since youth for as long as I remember, maybe 10% of kids would ask me to play with them. I got used to that life. I have mates from high school and college I've lost contact with, but really if anyone bothered calling or texting me, it wouldn't be so. Even after I do, no one does the same back. Months go by and then it's the same cycle, only for me to later hear from the from a close friend that they've asked that they asked me and he asked me why don't I keep in touch with people. Uh, that was a weird sentence. Why don't they keep in touch with me? I recently collected a high school mate's number from a friend because all three of us were close in school and it occurred to me the same is easy for me. The same way it's easy for me to get his number is the same way it is for him to get mine. So why should I feel guilty about not contacting him? No grudges, fights or anything. It's just the way it is. Personally, I'm not one for small talks. So you're right. Dude, you're right. Um, phones work both ways. There's nothing I hate more than someone to... To call me and be like, hey, you haven't called me in a long time. I'm like, bitch, you ain't called me either. And I also think that some people's idea of friendship is that it's constant contact. And if you're not having that constant contact, you're not friends. I don't think of friendship that way. I think that I vibe with people. And some of those people I'm very close to and I text a lot. Um, some people I talk on the phone a lot with. Very few people, very few people get to talk to me on the phone on a regular basis. My mama and like two other people. And and some people I'm internet friends with and some people I'm work friends with. I'm only like, like I, I chill with them when I'm working a lot or 
or working on a, on a certain project. And I just don't think that every level of friendship, every facet of friendship means constant contact. That said, if you're not, if you're not thinking about reaching out to them, then don't. See, the thing is, is that if they were thinking of you and they wanted to reach out to you, I would say just go ahead and do so. I would not tell them, wait until until you reach out to them. So the fact that you got that person's number and you and you intend to text them or contact them, great, do so. But don't expect anything back in return because people contact you when they have the bandwidth or the desire to do so. And some people like the like the this person find it very hard to reach out, be the first one to reach out. That's just their personality. Other people have no problem doing it. Um, I don't want you... Hmm. I would say that don't take it personally when people don't reach out to you because as you just noted, you're an introvert and you know what it's like to just want to be tired of people and just wanting to keep to yourself. And reach out to the ones you want to. And just don't take it personally the other way around. And if somebody calls you on it, speak frankly about it. I do. Anytime someone's like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. So yeah, you know, we've both been busy. And they're like, you didn't call me. Okay, you didn't call me either. Doesn't mean I don't still love you. It just means that we've been doing other things. Tell me everything. That's how, that's, I sidestep it that way. I don't, or excuse me, I'm, it's not exactly sidestepping. I... Say what I mean, and then I move forward. I'm and, like move on from it, and I would do the same. Next one. I'm a 41 year old single mother. I live in an apartment with my 16 year old daughter. We only have one bathroom, so we share it. This doesn't happen every day, but several days out of the week, when I'm getting ready in the morning, brushing teeth, doing makeup, etc., my daughter will come in and use the toilet, take a shower, and then get ready with me. This hasn't been an issue while she was growing up, but I feel now that she is older and has gone through puberty and has to deal with period things, i.e. tampons, it's weird that she said it that way, that it might be inappropriate for her to be naked around me. I love that she is comfortable with her body around me, but I don't want it to be in an inappropriate situation. Should I talk to her about it or just let her continue in case talking to her about it damages her body image? Or am I overthinking it? This is a perfectly normal and oh, is this, mm, or am I overthinking and this is a perfectly normal and okay thing for a teenager to do? Well, I think 16 is a little late to be having this question. (laughs) I feel like having this question, like, well, you know what? I don't know when your daughter started puberty. Lots of people start puberty around 10, 11 years old. um, And your daughter may be a late bloomer in that case. And so it's only been like a year or so since you noticed that she's changing. I think... When you're asking, is it normal, is it a normal thing for a teenager to do? It depends on the family. Some families run around naked all day long, and that's just how they do it there. I'm not one of those families. I don't I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> I'm not into it. Um, I actually make my kids, uh, I have, I had until last week, a couple of fosters that were very used to not wearing a lot of clothes, and... They would get so upset with me when we'd stand the dinner. I'd be like, you have to put a shirt on. Like, we don't want to see your nips while we're eating. <laughs> um, I think what matters is that you're uncomfortable with it. And I know you're the mother, but in any other situation, we would, in any other situation when you felt uncomfortable about something, I would tell you to speak up. And I do that 
So I'm going to tell you to do that now. I just say, hey, you know, like things are really changing. And as much as like, I think, I guess I would tell her, you know, I love that you're so like comfortable around me because like that's something to be celebrated. That's like you're, she's actually incredibly mature for her age if she's that comfortable being around because at 16, so many teenagers just want to like cover themselves up and like, um, everything's awful about themselves. And the fact that she's just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to come in here and take a naked shit. Why are you in the shower? What's up, ma? Like, I'm, not, I'm actually like really impressed by her by that. And I would probably tell her so. I tell her I was impressed by that. But I'd also say, you know, it's just me and you and everything. And for my comfort, I think we're, get, I think we're a little too close. I think this is a little too much. Let's, and I'd say you're going to be leaving the house soon. I mentioned college. And let's practice some boundaries. How about, when the door is closed to the bathroom, please don't come in. <laughs> That's what I'd say. And so if I were in there showering or doing something that I felt I didn't want another person in there, I would close the door. And then if I was just doing makeup or whatever and she and I felt it'd be comfortable for her to come in and do makeup too or her hair or whatever, then I would leave the door open. I'd also make sure there are other spaces in the house she can do things like that like that she has a mirror in her room that she has a place to plug in her hair dryer I'm assuming you guys are white people I don't know why but like you know you guys blow dry your hair in the morning or something I don't I don't know how it works but I've noticed that white people take showers in the morning and then like do stuff with their hair before they go places and like so I'm just imagining it's a situation like that um Again, I will, <laughs> this is a lesson you should have taught her a lot earlier. And I know that's hard because you're a single parent and, and it's just the two of you. And like when you're trying to take a shit when she's five and you close the door and she turns on the stove. And so it's easier to leave the door open and, and allow her to wander in and, and like keep an, and keep an eye on her. But um, it's never too early to start showing people boundaries. So just tell her, just be clear. It has nothing to do with her. That has more to do with like your comfortability and that you feel like she's growing up and that it's time that she gets some privacy and that you'd like to have some too. And I think I think she'll figure it out. I think she'll be fine. My stepdaughter Chloe is 13 and told us she was pregnant. She's a bit of a to put it nicely, a wild child. Drinking, smoking, whatever. Her mother allowed Chloe's 17-year-old boyfriend to move in with them. They live a few states away, but Chloe visits on holidays in summer. Anyway, Chloe's mother called a few days ago saying we have to come and get her because she kicked Chloe out of the house. Weirdly, the boyfriend is allowed to stay there. Chloe does not want the baby. Neither do we. So we have been looking into abortions. My husband said he will... I think... She... My husband said he will give, she didn't write this, but I think she left out the word. My husband said he will give Chloe a few weeks to decide what to do. Abortion, keep, give up for adoption. As of now, we have a pregnant teen in our house. She's upset with her mother. Everyone is beyond stressed. This sounds like an episode of 16 and Pregnant. Except 13 and Pregnant. Um... I guess... The first thing that sticks out to me is that Chloe's 13 (laughs) and 13 is very young to be pregnant. Um, And no matter how much of a wild child she is, she's 13. 
And I bet that she's really scared. No matter what she's going to end up doing, I bet she's really scared. And you mentioned that you're a step-parent. And I will say that I think step-parents really need to step the fuck back. (laughs) As a step-parent myself, remember, this child has parents. You are not it. Um, You're... I mean, I don't like cutesy things like bonus parent, but uh, if that's what if that helps you, then think of yourself as a bonus parent, not the main parent. Bonus, extra. We don't actually need you, but you're here. <laughs> and so, what I would say for you, legally, whatever state you're in, your husband may be in charge of what happens next. But morally, I don't think he is. And I, I love the, that he's giving her a few weeks to kind of feel out her options and, and, and say, what I want, what I want to do, what do I want the rest of my life to look like? The, the, the reason getting pregnant as a teenager, especially a very, she's barely a teenager, is such, is so frowned upon is that you shouldn't have to make decisions at 13 that affect the rest of your life. You really shouldn't have to. And unfortunately, though, when she conceived, she became a person that has to make these decisions. Um, we'll talk. We should we should talk why the 17 year olds living with mom in the other state. That's weird. That's real weird. But for, for you, I would say your best. Your best position here is support. You support your husband and how he's handling things. You let him vent to you so he's not venting to Chloe. You you let him talk about his frustration with his ex and, and his fears for the future. You let him do that. You be there for him. You don't tell him what to do. You don't, you don't give him advice. You just say, I'm here for you. I'm listening. You repeat, you mirror things. I'm frustrated. He says, I'm frustrated because... I really didn't want this for my daughter. I don't like, I'm very worried about what the next steps are going to be and how all this is going to affect her. You say, oh, I hear you that you're frustrated. You, I can't imagine how this feels. I'm here for you. I. That's how you handle this. And what you do with Chloe is you make her comfortable. And if Chloe, I mean, we can't go anywhere right now, but let's say this is, let's say we're not during um, COVID. Uh, you take Chloe to Target and you buy her magazines and Cheetos. And if she wants what to expect when you're expecting, you get her that. And if she's asking questions about abortions and you try to answer her questions, you make her food and you try to make her comfortable there. And you listen to her. If she's, if she's, if she's talking to you, you listen to her. You do the same thing. You help, you support her. You validate her feelings. Those are the things you do. Do you make any decisions of it? No. Do not make any decisions. Do you call her her bio mom? No, you fucking don't. You don't say shit about her bio mom. Because guess what? If things go sideways here, Chloe's back at mom's house. And now she's talking shit about you. Now she's like, you know, that new step bitch over there was saying that I, that I, that it's your fault I got pregnant. <laughs> like, like, that's how it goes down. Because they're tied to each other for life. That's her mom and her dad. And you're never going to win against her mom and her dad. So don't put yourself ever in an opposition against her mom and her dad. Um, I recently talked about my um, stepdaughter 
telling me like a very delicate thing about herself and about how her mom is reacting to her adoptive mom. It's not her bio mom. And I just, she knows I love her. I hugged her and I told her I love her. I love her. I think she, I called her a smelly knucklehead and, and told her I'd, I'd be, I love her. If I could get over her smell, I'd love her no matter what happened, which is par for the course for us too. And that's it. And I just text her frequently and I don't try to, I don't try to drive this fucking car. That's a great, so that's what I would say to you. I would say you are on a car that is driving very fast and making a lot of turns and swerves and changing lanes a lot and you are not in charge of driving. So you sit in the back and you pray <laughs> and you look at your phone and if they ask you a question about whether you want to stop at a rest stop, you say yes or no, but you do not talk about the driving. You do not try to navigate. <laughs> you do not ask them to put on their blinkers. What you do is you ride in the back of the car. And you see where the fuck this is going to take you. And when you get there, you say, wow, this is a nice place, whether you like it or not. Okay? That's how you handle this. Be a good step parent. Also, make sure that you, it's everyone's stressed out right now. Make sure you have an outlet for your stress. I would not, I don't think it's safe to vent to anyone in that house about what's going on. And I personally don't talk. When I, when you guys hear stuff about my husband, it's because I think it's funny, okay? It's never because I'm actually mad. If I haven't processed it and gotten over it, I'm not talking about it with y'all. I'm not talking about it with my mama, because my mama is going to remember when, I, when I'm not mad anymore. She's going to bring that shit back up. I don't talk about it with my best friends. I talk about it in therapy, because my therapist doesn't throw shit back at in my fucking face. Um... So I would not, so if you were having, like, obviously this seems stressful for you as well, but if you were, um, are having issues with that, I would make sure you find a safe space to talk about those issues that will not get back to your family and will not cause you any more trouble. Okay. This one's a little long. Um, I sometimes describe my mom as crazy whenever we approach certain topics, such as me getting older. I don't want to share my age, but let's just say I'm a bit young to have wisdom teeth. They have been hurting for a couple of years, and my dentist, who took an x-ray, recommends my mom to my mom to remove them. Removing wisdom teeth is a big deal in my family. It usually means that the person is fully grown and isn't a child anymore. I am considered the baby of the family, even though I'm almost an adult. My mom refuses to believe that I am no longer a little kid anymore. Usually I understand it's hard to see your child grow up so fast, but the pain has been growing. I keep telling my mom I want them removed. She argued that she won't remove them until they appear through the gums. The dentist told her my wisdom teeth are growing sideways. Then she claimed to want to wait until I'm in my 20s. It's been a year since then, and I'm still constantly urging my mom to book an appointment. This has nothing to do with money issues. My mom has always believed I'm still 12, 13, like heavily believed I'm in middle school. Her family doesn't have a history of dementia or memory loss. It's just my mom in denial. The problem has been going on. Even when I was in a sixth grade, when we were given the talk about growing up, my mom argued against me attending it, claiming she doesn't want me learning until I'm older. Even now, she's still... She still believes I don't know anything about sex or puberty and I'm almost an adult. I normally ignore her actions, but the pain from my wisdom teeth are growing worse. I am not in an age where I can make my own decisions. I still need permission from my parents. My dad is okay with it, but he won't argue with my mom. I just want to somehow get my mom to wake up and accept that I'm no longer a child that needs help with adding, subtracting a math or to at least accept it long enough for me to remove my wisdom teeth before they cause damage. So I don't know what the point of not saying your age was. <laughs> 
I'm assuming you're 17, okay? Because you're not 12 or 13 and you're not an adult yet. So I'm assuming you're between 16 and 17 years old. Um, so in general about the mom not treating you like an adult, she's not treating you like an adult because you're not an adult and she don't have to. Like if you were actually an adult, you would have to fucking listen to her, but you do. So that's how we know you're not an adult. But that said, she, uh, her treating you like, like much younger than your age and much, uh, much further under your maturity is a problem. And you are right that it's one of those things that like, you can't fix for her. I'd say if you want to her to think that you're a mature person, if you want her to see you as an adult, then act like one. And so, like, I wouldn't expect my 16, 17-year-old not to ask me for money because they're, they're, they're children and they should ask me for money. I should pay for things. But, it, but, like, one thing you could do is to make sure you're working and to make sure that you're not more financially dependent on her than necessary that you have money that you can buy your own things and that you can go your own places um asking her to drive you around if you start if you figured out how to ride the bus where you are figure out how to get rides places and handle your own transportations in ways these are small things but what i'm saying though is that the more you act like an adult the harder it's going to be for her not to see you as an adult that said you are the baby of this family and that's probably why she's having a super hard time letting you go. That's probably what it is. That you are the last of... This is... Whatever she's doing with you is the last time she's going to be doing it with a child. I don't get the wisdom teeth talk. Uh, I don't get <laughs> how removing wisdom teeth is a big deal in your family. That sounds like a weird family. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, you go and get your wisdom teeth out and then your mom's like... Oh, you're not a child anymore. You can do whatever you want. Here's a thousand dollars. Go to Vegas because your wisdom teeth came out. But um, if you're in pain, this is what I would do because it's the only thing you can do right now. Okay, your mom's not going to take. You're not going to make the appointment. You can't legally make the appointment on your own because you're not 18. Also, the fact that your mom's like, I'll let you get your wisdom teeth out when you're in your 20s. When I'm in my 20s? When I'm in my 20s, I'll let you know what I'm going to do. But okay. <laughs> when I was, when I told my mom, <laughs> my mom doesn't allow us to cuss, never allowed us to cuss. In fact, one time I was in her car with um, my stepbrother, his girlfriend, who happens to be like my mom's goddaughter. Like we love to keep it in the family around this bitch. And, and, and me and my mom and that's it. And we were like older. Um, I was probably home from the first semester of college. So like I, I was definitely 18 and making my little brother like 16 or something. And his, his girlfriend was probably 17 or 18 and something happened in the car. And I'd always been like, you know, when I turned 18, I'm going to cuss as much as I want. Like, on my 18th birthday, I, I remember coming down the stairs and like, what's up, motherfuckers? I was so excited to cuss. <laughs> I now realize how childish I fucking sounded, but whatever. But my mom was like, yeah, 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 I don't care how old you are. Uh, don't curse at me and don't curse around me because you're going to show me some respect. Um, this is a good time to bring up the fact that my mom always told me, like, like the last question about, like, the 13-year-old was living, living with her 17-year-old boyfriend. 
never fucking happened in my house. My mom always told us we were no one in her house was allowed to have sex except for her and my daddy when he, when she let him join in. That's that was always been her thing, and it's just the way I was raised. Is that like I'm sure that you live in your life, and you should. I'm not like mad at you for living your life. If you're out here cursing and fucking and doing your thing, do it. But when you come to my house, when you're at my house, you you're going to show me the respect of your parent and and so you won't do those things around me so we're all in the car and um and I guess I had cursed and my mom was like I've asked you not to curse around me and because like I don't like it and please don't do it and a few minutes later I cursed again and this time I admit I did it on purpose um and my mom like said it again and my brother in the back was like you're really uptight. It's not that big of a deal. And then my mom was like, I don't care how uptight I am. You're in my fucking car. Yeah, she did curse. And I don't care. You don't do this around me. And then a song came on the radio and my god sister was singing and it had a cuss word in it and she cursed. My mom pulled over and put us out of her car. All three of our big asses out of her car. Luckily, we were near a bus stop. But we weren't used to riding the bus and shit like that. I got, I started getting used to riding the bus. But the My my brother and his uh and his uh girlfriend were absolutely not and she put us out and she drove the fuck away and i this is i'm old this is before lyft this is before uber and shit um nobody had a cell phone and it was just like oh i hope i have changed to get on this bus and i navigated them home on the bus and it took us over an hour. And when we got there, my mom was just sitting there watching her fucking stories and eating cookies and living her life. And I was like, I cannot believe you put us out of your car. And she goes, I told you, it's my car. And you're going to do how I want it here. And and so, <laughs> maybe that story didn't have anything to do with anything. I just wanted to tell it. But I'll say this. If you're not old enough to make your medical decisions, there's nothing you can do about this. Do I think your mom's a dick? Yeah. But there's nothing we can do about it. The only, the one thing you can try is you can go talk to your dad and you can tell him how much pain you're in. And you can cry. I don't know if you know how to cry on command. You should have learned a long time ago. Go fucking cry. And just tell your dad that you're in so much pain. And tell him what the dentist said, that she's growing sideways. Cry a lot. S ask him, will he just take you to get to, will he just make an appointment to uh, get your wisdom teeth out? Now, he's going to say he doesn't want to fight with your mom. He's like, why do we even need to tell her? That's what I'd say. I was like, let's just do it. And if he won't do it, the other thing you can do is cry and writhe in pain all the time. <laughs> I would, I would, I'm assuming you're in school. Well, not right now because of COVID. But I would, when you go to school, mm, that's a, this is, ooh, I'm coming up with a good idea here. Because let me tell you what's embarrassing when you're a parent. When your kid's at school and sick and the nurse has to call you. Because even though the nurse the, my kid's school nurse is a lovely, lovely, lovely woman. She calls she calls me and goes, guess which one? And I have to get... <laughs> she's, she's a lovely woman. I like her a lot. But even though I know she's not judging me, I still feel it. Because 
Why is my kid at school crying because they're sick? Why is my kid at school with a sore throat saying their stomach hurts and they threw up? I still feel it. But that's just what moms do. So what you do is you wait till you go back to school. Hopefully it'll be soon. And you go to the nurse's office every fucking day and cry about how much your teeth hurt. You're going to have to get, just cry. Cry, like, in class, ask for a nurse's pass every day. And you're older, you should have different, you should have several different classes. Choose a different class every day and go to the nurse. And every time, and when the nurse asks you, you think you should call your mom? Have her call your mom. At her job, hopefully. And say, little princess is here. And, um, she, you know, she is really, she says she's in a lot of pain because of her wisdom teeth. She says that um, the doctor says she should take her wisdom teeth out, but you said no? Yes. Make sure your teachers know too. So when they call and go, you know, Princess has been asking to leave class a lot. She says she's in a lot of pain. People can't tell you that you're not in pain. Mm -mm. It's not what they do. They can't do it. Cry. Hold the side. Oh, my wisdom teeth. Oh, my wisdom teeth. That's how you do it. Embarrass the fuck out of her. In fact... You should, um, if there, are there any family, um, events that you might be going to? Are you close with your grandma? Call grandma and cry about your wisdom teeth. Call her. Is your, does your sister have like a bad relationship? Does your mom have a bad relationship with her sister? A sister that one-ups her a lot? Call auntie, uh, so-and-so and cry about your wisdom teeth. All these outside pressures, eventually your mom will cave in. And, I, I apologize for telling you to be deceitful, to try to get your dad in, to, to cry to other family members, call call granny. Oh my goodness, calling granny is going to be such a stroke of genius. If you've got a good grandmother, she is going to call your mother and dress her the fuck down. Be like, how dare you let my grandbaby. <laughs> but these outside pressures are going to do more than what you can because she's having a hard time letting you go because and apparently she... You guys don't do quinceaneras or bar mitzvahs. Instead, you guys do wisdom teeth removals to show you're adults. <laughs> Good luck, dude. Good luck. Oh, and if this doesn't work, the moment you turn 18, even if you're on her insurance, the moment you turn 18, she is not, she can't make medical decisions for you anymore. Call and make the fucking appointment. Um... Next, I, it says 19-year-old female, always thought I was bi. I've dated more men than women, and all the women have been in the past year because I've only just moved out of a disapproving parent's house, so I now have the freedom to date whoever I like. However, over the past two or three months, I've been doubting my interest, attraction to men, and considering the possibility I might be a lesbian. This is hard for me to accept, as I have parents who aren't really supportive, and I can't understand why I would have been attracted and willing to have sex with men before I just stopped now. Also, surely I'm a bit too old to just be discovering my sexuality now. Like, I feel like I'm so late to it when I date girls. They think I'm very inexperienced. I've always had the excuse of dating guys. I'm very, very confused. How do I know I'm gay? Um, first of all, you're not too old to be discovering your sexuality. People find out, well, not find out, people realize in their 60s that they're gay. Plenty of people, or at least bi. That happens all the time. Um, 19... Is never the only thing nineteen is too old for is jumping in the ball pit at, at Chuck E. Cheese. There is <laughs> nineteen is a baby. Okay, you're probably too old to ride that that horse that you put a couple of quarters in in front of the uh, grocery store. But other than that, there's very few things you're not you're you're not too you're too old for. Um, 
again, sexuality is a spectrum. Even if you are a lesbian who likes to fuck a guy every now and then, it's possible. I would say, I would focus less on trying to put a label on um, right now. I would focus on doing what feels good. I would date who I wanted to date. I would fuck who I wanted to fuck. And I'd see how it shakes out. And remember, when you, how do you know you're gay? I'll tell you how you know when you're gay. When it feels right to say that you're gay. When you, you'll know that you're gay, it'll be obvious. I, I think that the fact that you have unsupported parents and you're just now out and about and being able to do what you want to do is kind of clouding the fact that, that you know, you will know yourself when you're ready. And instead of like trying to focus on, on being like, let's see, which line, which, which box am I supposed to be in? Focus on what makes you happy. Dating a lot of girls makes you happy to date girls. Maybe you are bi and maybe you're just going through a girl uh, phase. I, I talk about on the podcast, I talk about being bi. Okay. I am. If you knew me in real life, I probably don't talk about it nearly unless it comes up, unless it comes up in a very specific conversation, either about my exes or about sexuality. I don't go, hi, I'm princess. I'm bisexual. And part of that is that I've been in a heteronormative relationship for a very long time. And it feels, it feels gross sometimes to talk about being queer because I am getting all the benefits of being in a heterosexual relationship. I did not have to worry about getting married. I did not have to worry about people not believing I'm married or not believing I'm in a relationship or not believing that me and my husband are the parents of our children. I don't have to deal with discrimination in that way because from anyone who just like glances over here, it looks like we're in a heteronormative relationship. Well, we are, but it looks like it's just two heterosexuals, nothing to see here, which is fine. I like, I don't, I don't need to wear a flag, but I'll say that as a bisexual that I found that I go in phases. That there's plenty of times I've had sex, I've had lots of sex with men and, and enjoyed it. And then I might go on a two or three year phase where it's nothing but women. Or so so that's not that's like not a big deal. It's also there are plenty, plenty plenty of gay people that have had sex with people of opposite gender. It's not unusual for you to, to realize that your attractiveness to those people had less to do with their, their uh, gender and more to do with that person. And that's why it was easy for you to have sex with them. Um, I'm reading, I'm like on and off reading a book about, um, a guy that, was um married to a woman for like a really long time about 20 years very much in love with her but gay the entire time and when they broke up he went he he went on to live as a gay man and have even even after like admitting that he was gay and like them filing for a divorce he was continuing having sex with his wife and he did enjoy having sex with his wife um he loved her. It had less to do with his sexuality and more to do with, with his feelings for this person. Also, you might not be, you, you might, 
You might be pansexual. Yeah, there, there, there are lots of boxes you could possibly check. But I would focus, especially at 19, I would focus less on trying to check boxes and more about pursuing experiences that make me happy. And that might be a little difficult because the people that you're pursuing experiences with might want you to declare, you know? They don't want to hear that, that you don't, oh, I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to be a label. I understand that people being like, no, are you like gay or are you straight or what is it? Cause I don't want to sleep with straight girls if they, if they're just like, you know, uh, cruising and having a fun night out and then go and get with a dude. I can understand not wanting to be used. I would just, I would just not be worried about telling people who I am like that or, or like defining myself like that. And if someone asks like a girl who says like how many, how many women have you been with? And you're, and you're saying, well, you know, I've mostly been with men. Um, and I've been with a few women. Um, and they ask, why are you really, are you, uh, really gay or whatever? You can just say exactly what I just told you. You know, I'm just really looking for experiences. I'm really, I'm just looking to be loved, to be physically intimate with people. And I just, I'm just trying to do what makes me happy. Like, I really don't care what they call it as long as I'm happy. That's probably what I'd say. And don't ever tell anybody you're too old for something at fucking 19. I remember I was waiting tables when I was 19 and I, and I, See, the thing when you're 19, you do feel like you're old. And I was talking to some man about it. I was waiting tables. And this was an old, grizzled man, by the way. And I was like, you know, because, you know, I'm 19. And I'm like, so old and stuff. And he was like, I got socks older than you. <laughs> he, said it, he said it in such a way like, bitch, get out of my face with that. You got a long way to go. And I'm going to say that to you, the whoever, the bisexual 19 female. You have a long way to go. Don't Don't try to work it all out in one second. Um, the next one is, is it better to go to a school I don't want and have no loans or go to a school I want with a $10,000 loan each year? Oh, girl. <laughs> Some info. Half of the loan is F F A F S A, And the school no loans is slightly lower quality, but they're roughly about the same for academics. Both gave me scholarships with very different amounts. The school with no loans is in the middle of nowhere in the desert. The school I want to go to is by the ocean. has a much nicer campus and dorms. I'm really stressed out about this. Any advice would be appreciated. Girl, go to a school with no loans. Now, there are going to be lots of people that are going to be like, girl, go where your heart takes you. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. I chose, I made a lot of mistakes when I chose college. My first year of college, I went to a school very close to home, in like in my home city. And somehow I convinced myself it was better to take out loans to live in a dorm with no car than it was to stay at my fucking parents' house with no rent and just go buy a car and like go where I wanted to. I don't know why. Yes, I do. I thought I was grown and I was just like, I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. I'm, I, I had this vision for my life and I assumed that's what I need to do. But what I didn't do was the math because it cost me a lot of fucking money. And I ended up failing that first year because, um, this is off topic, but the my senior year of high school and my first year of college was when I had my first real depressive episode and because I was in a dorm and my roommate left after the first season of the first ses uh, semester I no one could see me and so I could 
I, I was alone for the very first time in my life and I went through it. It felt, my dorm room felt like a crack house. It, when I talk about like boarded up walls and like the windows being boarded up and like me hiding and only coming out in the middle, like it was fucking terrible. And so I ended up failing and spending all that money to do so and owing it. <laughs> um, my personal business aside, I will say that if you can get out of college with no loans, you are already ahead of the game because then you can choose your job. You can choose your profession and where your life's going to go based on not having this huge monkey of loans on your back. Let I, I hear people talking about paying for college for their kids and not wanting to do so because they don't want their kids to be soft and they want their kids to have to work for stuff. Bullshit. Being able to pay for your your child's college education and let them choose what they want to do and then go out and fucking do it without a crippling debt on their back when they walk out of there is a privilege. And if you can, you should do it. And for people like me and you who had to take out loans, we need to be thinking smartly. Going to the going to college by the ocean in a nice dorm is not. It's not the girl. If you don't go to the fucking desert, and here's the deal, you don't know how college is gonna shape out shake out for you. College, I think, isn't for. I still think college is important because it's it's important to figure out who you are and what you want. Because I went into college thinking I was gonna do one thing. And if I could go back and do it over again, I would do a whole different fucking thing. And having the ability to make that choice without money being a defining factor is huge. So huge. So huge. I think you should do some research on student loans. And if I knew you, I'd get you in touch with a very good friend of mine who pays $750 a month in student loans. $750. She makes decent money. She lives in a large city. Bitch is broke. Okay? She's got an amazing education. Bitch is broke. I think you should do some research because a lot of people have that story. Um, Yeah, that's it. Don't go to the ocean. Go to the desert. Go to the free desert. Don't go to the expensive ocean. Um... My little sister has always been above an average weight, but she seems to be gaining weight at an increasing rate now. The last time she was weighed, she weighed about 165 pounds. My family is aware that this is probably harming her health and are trying to help her become healthier. Um, my mom, who probably hadn't done exercise in about 20 years, started doing YouTube workouts with her to help her start exercise, but now my sister is just disinterested and refuses to do it. I thought that as a kid, it was hard to control yourself around food. So as she grew older and more mature, she would become more disciplined when it comes to food. However, it is clear to me now that she is that this is a problem and she needs addressing now. It is clear she's very insecure about her weight, which has brought her out some negative qualities about her. Whenever she says, whenever she sees an overweight person, she will start insulting them in private. And if someone tries to speak to her about losing weight, she'll start crying, throwing a tantrum, no matter how carefully you bring the topic up. If anyone has any advice, it would be very much appreciated. Thanks. Um, and see how the sister is. But 
She seems young. Um, I think it's it's very touchy to talk to someone about their their body. Um, when I was growing up, it was very clear I had an eating disorder. It was very clear. I would always get in trouble for hoarding and sneaking food. I remember one time my parents went out and I ate like a whole box of Hot Pockets by myself. And they were very angry at me. And I was always like, like sneaking cake batter, uh, cake frosting into my room and eating it in the middle of the night. And I was always eating a ton and eating like very fast. And like all my, any money I got went to go, went to buying food. And like the moment I, I realized I could just, Instead of having to go to like a convenience store or the part by the by the register where you buy candy, the moment I realized I could just, I was making babysitting money and I could just like I was a part of a babysitting mafia. Um, <laughs> and I started making like a lot of money and I could just like instead of being at the registers and buying like little candies, I could literally go down the aisle and just buy um a family size bag of Doritos and a tub of cream cheese and eat it, which I didn't know was a thing until I joined that babysitting mafia and they taught me that. But <laughs> like um was a huge turning point in my life. Um when I started having access to fast food, like I could just go and get it it was a big deal. And I like my family are thin or thinner people. My brothers have always, but they're so thin. They're tall and thin. And my mom isn't necessarily thin, but she is tall. So she holds weight. My mom's like six feet tall. She holds weight in a different way than me, who's been five, three since I was like 11 years old. And people would try to talk to me about it. In ways that were unhelpful, like, hey, it seems like you seem fat. <laughs> or, you know, you shouldn't just eat anymore. <laughs> I just remember my aunt being like, you should probably just stop eating. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that's super helpful. And also my aunt at the time had, um, my, my, well, she still does, but she has sickle cell anemia. And um, can I tell you guys about the time? I have sickle cell trait and I found out I had sickle cell trait, which is when you have the trait for sickle cell disease, which is, if you don't know what sickle cell disease is, the, uh, is it red or blood or white? Uh, I think it's white. The white blood cells in your body are normally shaped like a circle with like, they're like a Cheerio, except it's like an indention, not a, like a, a like a straight through. And it's because they carry like molecules, um, of oxygen throughout your blood and, and the molecule sits really nicely on there but when you have sickle cell um your blood your your blood cells are not sickle shaped some of them or many of them or sometimes all of them i think it's usually like a mix are shaped like a sickle which means like a like a not a like a moon like a, a quarter moon shape and so they don't hold it as well. They also, that circular shape helps them go through your, your veins, especially in your joints and stuff really easily and like not get caught there. But if they're sickle shape, they get caught there. They can cause blood clots, all that. Okay, that's what sickle cell is. But if you have sickle cell trait, you can pass it on. And some of your blood cells are sickle. So you usually have like low iron because you're not carrying as much um, 
as much oxygen and iron, like things like that. Okay. So when they told me that though, I was a child and I gone to, and they said I had sickle cell trait and I, and I was listening very intently in the doctor's office. I did not ask any questions because I was taught not to like interrupt adult conversations like that. Like I was to sit there while the information was being relayed to my mom. She asked questions, blah, blah, blah. And I just sat there listening intently. And she came, we got back home and, um, I went outside to play. And when you have, when you are a child and you've gone to the doctor and they've taken your blood, you've read that bandaid proudly and you let people know you've been to the doctor and they're very interested. Oh, you've been to the doctor. You got a shot. Da, 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 da. And I was like, yes. And I have syphilis. And they're like syphilis. I was like, yes, I have syphilis. My whole family has syphilis. My aunt Maxine, she has syphilis all the way, all the syphilis. Yeah. She has extra syphilis. She's very sick. She has to go to the hospital all the time for her syphilis. <laughs> And when I grow up and I have babies, some of them might have syphilis. <laughs> so I'm just walking around town telling about my syphilis and my family, how we homegrown our syphilis and we give it to everybody. <laughs> and my mom is like, hey, um, yo, uh, you been telling when I tell people you have syphilis? She's like, I do. The doctor told me I had syphilis. Remember? It's a family thing. And she was like, I'll never forget she should have told me what syphilis was. I, I was old enough. I was like eight, nine years old. She could have explained to me that syphilis is a sexually transmitted disease. Um, she told me syphilis is something you get from having sex too much. Like there's a certain amount of times you can have sex. And then once you cross the threshold, then you got syphilis. Like let's say the number is 72. You can have sex 72 times. But on the 73rd time, oops, bitch, too many times you have syphilis now. <laughs> so that took me a while to unlearn that. But um, the aunt that I'm talking about, my aunt Maxine, told um, she has sickle cell anemia and she's had it all her life and she's a very thin woman. And she she's always been very thin. And she's just like, you should just stop eating. And I'm like, you're like a skeleton. Please leave me alone. My mom would say things like, you know, leave the Kool-Aid for the boys. Leave it, you know, just, just leave the Kool-Aid. You, you know what? I bet you could drink more water. <laughs> And it was things like that. Um, it wasn't very much like I've talked about my mom's parenting a lot and the fact that she was 20 years old and stupid and that I do things differently. And I guess I would have questions. I, I, the first thing I'd say is why did you eat five hot pockets in four hours? What happened? Tell me about it. Oh, you were hungry. Well, you know, uh, Five hot pockets is a lot of hot pockets, bitch. <laughs> and I would just, like, I would have a frank conversation. I, and I try to do less talking than, I try to listen more and talk less. And I would not be yelling. I'd just be like, so what happened then? And then that. And did you not feel full? How do you feel right now? Like, I would have conversations like that. But in this case, it's your little sister. And it seems like your family is on, like, is, is, notices something's up but and it seems like they're trying to do something but I think that the best way to approach this is to say that we're very worried about your health like start with a doctor's appointment and go from there and I think the other thing is is that she's your little sister she seems like she's a child I, I, I I'm guessing she's like 12 14 years old and I feel like 
her access to food begins starts begins and ends with your parents. So if we change what's in the house and we start we all start eating better, that that can change some things. I'm not, I'm not saying if she's 14 she can get food other places. I certainly was a regular at the Hardee's by my house by the time I was 14. But I think we need to work from this from a health standpoint. And the food is probably a big deal. I also think I hate that like every conversation. I, about someone's problem I talk about therapy but it's the truth I think this starts with therapy because she's overeating for a reason she is this is giving she's benefiting from this in some way we we don't get up from the table because we're still being served something that we want some she's getting something out of this even though she's reacting badly when people talk about weight and when people talk about and when people approach her about weight she's she's getting and she's talking badly about other people who have um who are overweight and she's doing that because she doesn't feel good about herself like that's obvious so I start with therapy and if I were parents I would work it's one of the reasons I'm I'm so not strict I'm not strict about what my kids eat they can eat all kinds of shit but I am like strict about offering them all kinds of things and giving and being careful about snacks and being able to say and not being like you can't have these things, and more like let's try lots of things. And so that's why we we take walks, and I'm I value exercise over things. And like listen, I, I I'm still working on the eating disorder. I'm still working on it. I'm every day is a different day. It's just how it is. But what I really want, and what I think your parents want as well. You're you're saying your parent never like your mom never exercises or anything is we want better for our kids. And sometimes I wish I was just someone I was just like, you know what, I would love for a snack, some cucumbers. I'll just eat a cucumber and have a glass of healthy water because water tastes just as good as Dr. Pepper. And yeah, just live my life. Like I kind of wish I was that person, but I'm not that person. And it, it's due to childhood experiences, it's due to um, coping mechanisms is due to a lot of fucking things. It's a hard road. It's a, it's hard to get through that. And I just want you to know that like, this isn't something that you just go, Hey, I noticed that you've been fat. And your sister goes, Oh yeah, girl, me. Oh, let me, let me put down this cookie because <laughs> that's not how it works. She knows she was fat before you did. I promise you. So um let's see <laughs> someone posted our grad photo from grade 12 it was a small class and we graduated decades ago everyone was having a nice online trip down memory lane but then this one person posted that some people in the photo bullied her in school she was a strange one and some of the girls did probably tease her but she teased others herself too nobody commented to her i felt bad thought i should apologize if i had done something to hurt her i didn't but then i thought that that I'm sorry she feels hurt, but these were teenagers 30 years ago. Time to get over it. Should I let sleeping dogs fly? Yes. If you, if you, so this person commented on there, um, that they have been bullied. And if, if your response is not empathetic, then yeah, don't, don't write anything. Like if you, if, 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 that was 30 years ago, girl. Get over it was what you wanted to write. Then no, don't write anything. Um, the fact is, is that plenty of people feel bullied that were also bullies. 
it's kind of how things go. Like you get bullied and then you start and you start to develop a hard shell and coping mechanisms. And sometimes you turn into a bully too. I can tell you right now that um, some bullying experiences gave me a very sharp mouth. And I have got, I know sometimes I have to shut up because I can really hurt people with the shit I'm going to say to them. And for a little while I was like that. I, I, and I'd be like, I'm just keeping it real. You can't handle the truth. I just said it was... No, you said it to hurt people because you were... It's a defense mechanism and you were trying not to be hurt. So I'm not surprised to hear that she bullied some other people. She, was, she wasn't always nice and she hurt other people's feelings and people and people also thought she was a bully. I, that's totally normal. Um, if you wanted to write something, I would have wrote something like... Yeah, I think we all have um, had some really bad experiences from back then, but I'm just glad we all made it through and we're here right now. And if you're still, if everyone who's looking at this, give yourself a pat on the back for getting through all that shit and, you know, and surviving it. That's, I, I might have written something like that, but if you can't find, and, and I also don't think you should apologize for things you didn't think you did. Like, that's, Especially if, especially because she she knows who she's fucking talking about, and she especially if she knows she wasn't talking about you, she's gonna be like, "Why is this fake bitch over here apologizing?" So yeah, just let it go. Um, remember, perspective is everything. Um, not everybody, uh, four or five people can have the same experience, but have different perspective of the experience. And just because the way she saw it was one way and the way you saw it was another way doesn't mean that that either or both of you are right it just means that that was your experience so if that's the comment she wanted to leave let her leave it and if you did bully her you felt like you wanted to like apologize i can understand you that's another thing to say hey you know i remember a couple of uh, things that happened where i wish i'd acted better and i hope you can accept my apology now and then leave it at that yeah. Yeah, but I think you did a good idea. I, I think it was a good idea for you not to comment with, get over it! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody needs that shit. I really wanted to talk to my supervisor from work as my cabin fever is at an all-time high, and she's someone I've started to miss. I look up to her a lot. I haven't seen her in over a month, and I was growing used to seeing her on a daily basis. I'm also getting work withdrawals. Would it be odd if I asked her if I could just chat with her for a few minutes? We had a comfortable relationship at work, but it was strictly professional. We aren't friends or anything, as she is almost 10 years older than me on top of being a supervisor. However, I did invite her to a potential event, which is postponed, obviously, and she said she'd be down to come, and I always send her a message on holidays to wish her well. I'm having a hard time interpreting boundaries right now and need insight. I think this seems like a work friend, even though she's a supervisor. It's a professional friendship. Um... And if you have felt comfortable in the past sending her messages or inviting her places professionally, right? Because you can, because even if somebody's in a professional situation, you can say, "Hey, we're having a barbecue at our house on third on Friday, and I'd love for you to stop by if you have time." You know, I'm making my famous ribs. That's still very professional to invite a work person to your home. Um, to have for a friendly barbecue. That's fine. It's also fine to wish someone a happy holiday. Um, and it's even fine. I think it's even fine for you to tell her. Um, it seems like you have that type of relationship with her. 
I think it's fine for you to send a message to her that says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really missing work and I'm, I'm really missing our interactions. I hope all is well with you. Yeah, you can reach out to her as long as you keep it on the same level of professionalism you would at work. Um, are you going to tell her, hey, you know, ever since I've been home, I've been masturbating a lot. No, no. Don't nobody want to hear about that and you don't have that type of relationship. Just keep it as, keep it on the same level you would do if you guys were at work talking and it should be fine. Okay, so this is the last one. That's good. I've been over here in over an hour. I like, I've liked this chick for a while and finally told her how I felt and I found she had similar feelings. Fucking great, but I also found that she's got a boyfriend. Not great. Now, here's where shit gets confusing to me. So I was like, whatever. I don't want to be that guy that causes a breakup. So I just left it at that and continued conversations with her like we did when we were friends. But it's been like three days since I told her and she's been obviously hardcore flirting with me. And I have been flirting back because why not? She told me to today her boyfriend was being crazy. Yeah, where is the punctuation? She told me today her boyfriend was being crazy and broke up with him and this was like the fourth time they broke up that was like four hours ago she is now snapping me pictures of her hanging out with her boyfriend and them snuggling and shit so I'm super confused I just want to know what's going on with her why is she doing this and what should I do so you're a very young person and I know this because your punctuation is bullshit and (laughs) you're also talking in terms of days and hours so that implies like that implies to me that you're young because things are moving so fast um, I, my advice, leave this bitch alone. <laughs> and I say, it, <laughs> I don't mean to call her a bitch. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, leave her alone. And the reason is this, at best, you are a plan B, which means that if things don't work out her boyfriend, she knows that she's got somebody that's like, likes her. At worst, she's okay to flirt with you and she's going to use you as someone to like pump up her self-esteem every time her and her boyfriend are breaking up and fighting. So, right, her boyfriend doesn't, she does something she doesn't like. They get into an argument. She starts texting you or snapping you or whatever it is the kids do these days. And, <laughs> and, um, and, and then you're like, oh, you're beautiful. You don't have to deal with that. And you try to make her smile and stuff. And she's like, oh, he's so sweet, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, she's still in a relationship with this guy. For whatever the reasons are. But she's getting her emotional. uh, Her emotional goodies from you. And that's not. That's not a nice way to treat anybody. I'm of the firm belief. That if somebody tells you. That they like you more than a friend. And. You continue. To flirt with them. To. Allow them to do things for you. That border. That cross the line of being a friend and more in line of being like a love interest that you're using that person. This is not, I'm not talking about when people were like, I was friend zone. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, it's very clear what this person wants from you. And instead the person, instead what you do is you're like, Oh, I can't date you right now. Can you move my stuff? Like, that's not fun. That's not nice. Um, and the fact that she has a boyfriend and I'm sure he's not, he wouldn't like to see you like flirting and everything, but we can't control what she does. Just like we can't control whether my husband's going to clean this room up <laughs> and what he's doing with those fucking tonal clippers on a string. I just want to know. <laughs> we cannot control those things. What we can control is our own actions and you should stop interacting with her. 
And if she asked you why, you would say, hey, you know, I, like I said, I'm, you know, I got feelings for you and I totally respect the fact that you're in a relationship and you're really not like, and obviously I want you to be happy. And so I, I think we just, I just, we need a little bit of distance. So I'm not, you know, causing any problems or also getting myself hurt in the end. That's it. Go find somebody who's available. And remember that the way people, if you meet someone and they talk about their current uh, boyfriend a certain way and they do certain things like cheat on them, or I mean, maybe they don't consider this cheating, but like flirt intensely with available people, um, that when you get them, when they start, when they, how you get them is how you lose them. Okay. So even if she does break up with this dude, it looks like they break up all the time. Maybe she does break up and comes to and comes over to your place. You can expect the same behavior from her over there. And also, they're probably going to get back together. So, let the shit go. There's plenty of fishing to see. Go fishing. That's it. So, yeah, that's the end of the episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I liked it. Shit, I'm, having, I'm in a better mood than when I started. Um, I, I feel like I fixed a lot of lives, even though they don't know about it. <laughs> Um, the next time an episode appears in the main feed, it will be uh, the season three premiere of Buy Pumpkin with Growing Up Gotti. And this, like I said, this season, I'm going to try to get more guests. I'm going to have a lot of fun talking about hair gel and dirty white outfits. And I hope you guys join me. Thank you for supporting me. If you can, make sure you sign up to be a Patreon. It's at patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. You're uh, starting next month. We're going to do a limited series on John and Kate plus eight. And you'll, you'll get bonus episodes like this one, like princess diaries, which is more of a, um, which is more of when I just get on here and talk about what's going on in my life. Um, I take commission episodes, 20 bucks, DM me. We'll figure out, commission an episode, 20 bucks. I'll talk about what you want me to talk about. What do you want me to talk about? You want to talk about, you, oh, do you want me to talk about that babysitter mafia I was in? Give me $20. I'll, I'll let you sponsor an episode. <laughs> Probably going to talk about it anyway. Uh, I was, I was young and dumb. Anyway, <laughs> I'll see you guys next Sunday. Bye.